You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Chen. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. 1 Corinthians 15, 57 and 58. Let's read it all together. I love when we read out loud. Verse 57, here we go. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. This isn't my message, but I love how verse 57 says, you've you've already won. We're on the winning side. You know, you can look at the end of the book and, and we win. But there are still battles that need to be fought, right? Yes, we win the war, but there are still battles that need to be fought throughout all of this. However, it takes a lot of worry away, doesn't it, knowing that you're on the winning side? Uh, I've, I love watching the uh, Chicago Blackhawks, the old playoffs highlights. And uh, now, when it was happening, and especially in 2015 when I just moved down here, uh, I couldn't watch them. because I, I just couldn't handle it. I would scream at that TV, and my heart would go crazy, and I honestly couldn't watch it. When the Cubs played for the World Series the next year, I couldn't watch it. I did. Tracy watched it, and, and she was basically the play-by-play, but I did not watch it. I can't handle it. But now that I know that they won, I'll watch it all day. And I still get, I still get into it like I had never seen it before, but I know that they win at the end, so it takes away some worry. So again, not my message. We win at the end. So let's be worried. Let's understand that God is still in control. But the title of my message tonight is A Question. And every Christian is going to ask this question. I believe every Christian is going to ask this question multiple times during their lifetime. And I think as things wax worse and worse, and as the world continues to grow further from God, Christians are going to be asking this question more and more. And the question is this, what can I do? Now, whether we realize it or not, every single one of us is asking this question tonight. There are three reasons why we may be asking this question. Every single one of us will fit in one of those three reasons. Now, here's the statement that I'll build my entire argument on. We're all asking this question, but we may not all be asking it for the same reason. So allow me to explain. A, A Christian can ask, what can I do out of determination? Like a soldier who's reporting for duty. God, what can I do? Right? Following that so far. A Christian can also ask this question, what can I do out of confusion about things? Coming from the depths of a situation that they honestly don't know how to handle, you may ask God, what can I do? A Christian can also ask this question out of despair or discouragement. You can put it this way. Sometimes a Christian asks this question because they genuinely want to know what to do. What can I do? On the other hand, you can have a Christian that asks this question because they genuinely believe there's nothing that can be done. What can I do? But no matter what the reason may be for a Christian to ask, what can I do? The answer to the question is in the verses that we just read. So whatever your reason 
may be for asking this question. I don't know. Only you can know your heart. But no matter what it is, I believe if we listen, we'll be helped by this. So the, the Corinthian church was surrounded by carnality and conflict and apostasy when Paul wrote this letter. And it's at this moment that he tells them, first of all, I want you to remember that you have the victory in Jesus Christ. But before you get to that point, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Let me explain how our question comes into this in the message. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would please give me power to speak. For those who are watching right now, would you please remove distractions? And I ask that they would be a part of this. And even though that they are not here in body, they, are, they would be here in spirit and in atmosphere. Lord, for those of us here tonight, that distractions also would be removed and that we would focus in during this brief time. And I ask this in your name. Amen. Because of all this surrounding apostasy and, and problems uh, in, around the Corinthian church, unfortunately, the church started to be affected. And really, the entire book of Corinthians can be viewed as a book of correction. Now, let's just be honest. There's no perfect church. Every church is going to need correction at some point. A preacher said, I loved it, a preacher said, in 1 Corinthians, the church stands corrected, but that's okay because when the church is corrected, it will stand. So the Christians at Corinth needed some correction. For instance, there were contentions in the church. There was fornication in the church. There were church members in legal battles with other church members. There were issues with idolatry. There was degrading of the Lord's Supper. There was confusion with tongues and prophesying. There was a false teaching going around that there was no resurrection of the dead. Yeah, the, the church at Corinth needed some correcting. And by the time we read these verses in, in chapter 15, Paul has given his correction. I read it. He's open. He's given his godly correction. And now he's telling this church at Corinth, this is how you move forward in a wicked world run by a wicked devil. Now, here's where I see a great similarity between the church today and the church at Corinth. One thing that every Christian is going to have in common with one another is this battle that we fight, this constant battle that we fight between us and a wicked world. And in a wicked time, I understand we're in a wicked time, this has been the last days for a long time now. Now things are going to wax worse and worse. But that's one thing we all have in common. We need to know from the scriptures, how do we make it through this? How do we stand and fight and war in this battle that's raging among us? And throughout that battle, you're going to ask this question. Now perhaps you're here tonight and you're asking the question, Lord, what can I do? I want to know. That's the first way you can ask that question. Lord, what can I do in these battles? I've, what can I do to fight against the devil as a good soldier? I, I don't want to be like the children of Ephraim in, in Psalm 78 that turned back in the day of battle. I want to know what I can do. What can I do to fight these battles that every Christian will face? Well, here's the answer to that question in verse 58. Be ye steadfast. 
That word steadfast means to rest or to settle. Now, it's not talking about going to sleep. It's not talking about physical rest. It's not talking about being lazy in your Christian life. It's actually talking about the opposite. It's talking about the resting of your faith. So everyone in this world has a capacity for faith. We understand that. You can go to the back jungle somewhere, and they're going to be worshiping something. Everybody has a capacity for faith, but not everybody is going to rest their faith on the right foundation. So if we as Christians are going to be steadfast, we have to rest our faith on a sure foundation, on the right foundation. If we rest our faith on the world or the religion of somebody else or the government or the opinions of man or even the the direction of your own heart, you're never going to be steadfast. The house can only be as steadfast as the foundation. And if you're wondering where should we rest our faith then, what, what sure foundation is there? Well, think about what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7. He says, Whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man that built his house upon a rock. Whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not, I'll liken him unto a foolish man that built his house upon the sand. Now, okay, let's not overcomplicate this. As I look out into the world right now, and I see this great battle raging about us, a lot of times it's invisible. Right now it's very visible. Sin is being ignored or even redefined to be taught as good. God has been kicked out of our schools. Scripture is being stricken off of our monuments. The monuments that are still standing. Preachers are being silenced. Standards are dropping. Immorality is glorified and righteousness is vilified. Christians should be rising up and asking, what can I do? What can I do about this? This is your fight, sir, as much as it is mine. This is your fight, ma'am, as much as it is anybody else's. If you call yourself a child of the king, you are a soldier. So if you're truly wondering, what can I do? Here's the answer. Find out what this book says and rest your faith on it. Be ye steadfast. Study it, memorize it, mark it, meditate on it, love it. Determine in your heart, in a society that is marked by instability, I'm going to be steadfast by finding out what God's word says and resting my faith on that. If you're asking God, what can I do to get in the fight? Let your faith find a resting place. The Corinthians got into trouble because they left their resting place. They began to err and to change because they allowed false teaching and the influence of Corinth to move them from where they had, to, to make them doubt the truth. They knew that constant fighting and strife in the church was wrong. They knew that. They knew that a man in a relationship with his stepmom is wrong. They knew that. They knew that the uh, that the Lord's Supper, the ordinance of Lord's Supper, they knew that that was sacred. 
They knew that there was the resurrection of the dead, but they had begun to drift away from what they knew was the truth. Perhaps it was because of persecution from the world that they began to drift. Perhaps it was because of pressure from family and friends. You ever felt that? that they began to drift. Perhaps it was because of persuasion from false teachers that they began to drift. Perhaps it was just because we as human beings have a natural propensity to drift away from what we know is true. Maybe that's why they drifted. Whatever the reason, they were being drawn away from where they had first laid down their roots. So after this correction came, that's why God says, right after, be ye steadfast, what does he tell them to be? Unmovable. Now, those are two very different things. Being steadfast is your choice to rest in your faith. Being unmovable is your choice to stay strong when other people tell you you need to change. Make no mistake about it. When we choose to be steadfast on God's word, when we choose to rest our faith on God's word, you are standing right in between Satan and his agenda. You are standing smack dab in the middle of it, and he is going to do everything he can to get you to move. He is going to use unsaved relatives. He'll use questions from your old friends. He'll use mockery from coworkers. He'll use doubts in your own sinful mind to get you to move from where you have chosen to stand. It doesn't take long to realize, does it? It doesn't take long to realize not everybody believes the Bible. And even if they believe the Bible, not everybody takes it further and actually does something about it. Not everybody likes the position where you have chosen to stand. And there are times when it's going to feel like all the fiery darts of the wicked are coming down on you. Your family's pushing against you. Your friends are forsaking you. Your coworkers are laughing at you. And even your own heart begins to wonder and waver if you should just get out of the way. And you ask the question again, God, what can I do? Here's his answer. Stand firm. Be unmovable. When you choose to listen and obey this book, you have rested your faith on what is right. Don't let anybody or anything convince you otherwise. Don't be a Christian that stands on God's word on Sundays and Wednesdays, but then moves out of the way throughout the rest of the week so that we don't have to face persecution. Don't be a Christian that knows what is right, but allows the devil to convince them that right isn't worth fighting for. You have chosen the right resting place. That's why the devil is doing everything he can to get you to move. The devil doesn't fight against anybody unless they're in his way. Some of us here are asking, what can I do? Because you want to know how to get involved in this fight. Be steadfast. Find out what God's word says. Believe it and do it. Some of us here are asking, what can I do? Because Satan is starting to fight against you. And you're starting to face obstacles. And you're starting to face opposition. And it's hard. It's difficult. If the Christian life was easy, everybody would do it. Now you have God on your side, and that's why he can say, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for my yoke is easy. You know why? Because you're not, you don't have to do it alone. You know what a yoke does? It links you to somebody else. And that's Jesus. But let's be honest. 
Christian life isn't always roses. And you might be here asking, Lord, what can I do? You stand firm. You hold. You keep on trusting and you keep on doing what's right. The devil has an agenda. But the Bible says you buy the truth and you sell it not. His agenda is to get you to, don't believe the lie that you can compromise with the devil. He says, oh, I'll make a deal with you. You just move in that area, I'll never ask you to move in another one again. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. No, it's not how it works. He's a liar. He's the father of lies. And when you start compromising all these things and you set your faith on one thing one day and then you set it on another, that's called doubting. And the Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. You won't just be unstable in your Christian life. You'll be unstable in your business. You'll be unstable in your family. You'll be unstable in your emotions. You'll be unstable in everything. The devil has an agenda for this world. And as he seeks to justify sexual immorality in our country right now, there need to be Christians who stand in the way and say, no, that's wrong. It's sin. It always has been sin. Adultery is wrong. Homosexuality is wrong. Premarital relationships are wrong. And the devil's not going to achieve his agenda unless he gets through me. As he seeks to bring this idea that abortion is just a woman's right, there needs to be Christians who stand in the way and say no. No abortion is murder. It always has been murder. As he seeks to fulfill his agenda to blur the line between what is good and what is wrong, between what is, between what is righteous and holy and pure and between what is wicked and sinful and disgusting, there need to be Christians who say, you're not touching that line. There need to be Christians who say, no, sin is still sin, right is still right, and the one who determines that is God, not man. I don't care what the government says. If it goes against my Bible, they're wrong. I don't care what I say, church. If I stand up here one day and I go against the Bible, I'm wrong. And you drop me like first period French class. Find somebody who cares about you enough to tell you the truth. More and more, this world and the devil are going to be screaming and fighting and kicking and mocking those who choose to rest their faith on God's word. And they're going to tell you every single day, get out of the way. Get out of the way. You're old fashioned. Get out of the way. You're blocking progress. Get out of the way. You're closed minded. Get out of the way. You're a hate group. But let me just say something. Just because I disagree with you doesn't mean I hate you. Get out of the way. You're a fanatic. You know, I don't mind being nuts as long as I'm screwed onto the right bolt. What do they say? Get out of the way. You're what's wrong with the world. What did Ahab say to Elijah? Art thou he that troubleth Israel? Elijah says, I'm not he that troubleth Israel. You are. 
or when Martin Luther stood in front of the Pope, when he nailed his 95 theses to that door, and he stood in front of the Pope and he says, you're not a vicar of Christ, you're a vicar of hell. We need some Christians like that today. What about in Acts? When they said, oh, here comes those who turned the world upside down. No, no, no. We're trying to keep it right side up. So you stand firm. Be steadfast, be unmovable. Now the reason this church at Corinth needed correction is because they moved away from what was correct. It's the only time we need correction. Paul made the correction. Now he says, if you want to stay correct, be ye steadfast, be unmovable. What can I do to get in this battle? Know what God's word says and rest in it. But maybe you're here asking, what can I do when so many are telling me to move, that I'm wrong, that I'm obnoxious, that I'm rude, and all of these, what, what can I do? Stand strong. Speak the truth in love. If it be possible, live peaceably with all men. But there needs to be a line that cannot be crossed with you, Christian. Now, this is a Wednesday night crowd. In many ways, I'm preaching to the choir. I hope I'm preaching to Christians who have made the decision to be steadfast, unmovable. Christians who put on the whole armor of God so that you can stand in an evil day. But let's just be truthful tonight. Have you ever found yourself wondering in the grand scheme of things, what is my stand going to mean? I'm just one person. I'm just one little Christian in Corpus Christi, Texas. Further than that, I'm a wicked, fearful person. And I look up and I see the direction of the world and the agenda of the devil and standing right in the way is little old me. I'm not anyone special. I'm not anyone at all. And you ask it again, God, what, what can I do? Are you following? What can I do? What could I ever do that would make a difference? I'm just a pastor. I'm just one pastor. I'm just a single mother. Or I'm just a, a Sunday school teacher. I'm just an usher. I'm just a layman. I'm just a teenager. I'm just a stay-at-home mom. What, what can I do? There are better people to stand here, right? Has the devil ever saw you standing here? and laughed at you, said, you? You're standing there now? Oh, you're standing there now, because you used to be with me. But you're standing there now? Get out of the way. Don't waste my time. Has he ever said that to you? And you wonder, what, what's the point? What can I do? What can my voice do in a world of noise? Look at verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I'm sure some at the church at Corinth were wondering, what effect could our little church have in this great city? But God says here, it doesn't matter who you are doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how many or few people you may have influence over. Every single Christian 
who rests their faith on God's word and stands strong and simply does their part to serve him with all their might, with all their heart, with all their soul, no matter how small that part may be or how large that part may be, that Christian is stronger than all the forces of hell because you have God on your side. More important than that, you are on God's side. You are doing the work of the Lord, and little is much when God is in it. When a Christian believes and stands and abundantly obeys God, it always counts. It always matters. The mightiest soldier in the land against a little shepherd boy. What can he do? One is a youth. One's been a soldier since his youth. If you're a betting person, you bet Goliath. But say, David said, I come to you in the name of the Lord. And because, David, because that little shepherd boy believed and stood and just did what God told him to do, he saw victory over that giant. And an entire army of Philistines runs from him. He was probably 16, 17 years old. Don't believe the lie that your faith is insignificant. Don't believe the lie that your stand at work isn't helping the cause of Christ. Don't believe the lie that your prayers don't affect eternity. Don't believe the lie that your testimony is going unnoticed or that your ministry is irrelevant. Don't believe that lie. When the devil tells you, get out of the way, what can you do? What can you do? Let me through. Remember something. He wouldn't have to tell you to move out of the way if he could make you move out of the way. You just keep resting. And you just keep standing strong against that old devil. And you just keep serving God with all your heart and hold the promise from God's word that nothing you ever do for him is in vain. I meant what I said at the beginning. Every Christian is asking this question. Right now, you're asking this question. I don't know the reason. But I'm asking you to examine your heart. Why are you asking this question? Is it out of determination? Is it out of confusion? Is it out of discouragement? No matter what it is, your answer is here. So I'd like to know tonight as your pastor, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? You might raise your hand for all three of these. You might raise your hand for one. I, I don't know. However the Holy Spirit is, is speaking to you. But let's have every head bowed, never at close. I, I want to know, are you asking this question? God, what can I do? Because you're determined to get in this fight and you want to know what you can do. Is that you? Would you raise your hand? I see that. Anyone else? Good. Here's your answer. Be ye steadfast. Find out what God's word says. Listen, I will do my best. I will do my best Sunday morning, Sunday night, Sunday school, Wednesday night. Try to tell you what God's word says, but you need to have that personal relationship with him. You need to have that personal devotion time. Be ye steadfast. Let your faith find a resting place. Now, how many of you are here and you're asking, God, what can I do? Because people are starting to push against you. People are telling you to move, and you don't know what to do. I see that hand. I see it. I see it. I see it. 
pretty much everybody. Listen, here's your answer. Be unmovable. You are standing on what is right. I am not telling you that. God's word is telling you that. You will have no regrets standing for what is right. Be unmovable, young lady. Be unmovable, sir. Let all the forces of hell come against you and tell you to move. You stand strong. You have Christ with you, and you are with Christ. Now, how many of you are asking because you've been discouraged lately, and you've been fighting and fighting and fighting, and the devil is making you believe, what can you do? Come on. No, 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 no. Every single ounce of strength that you spend in his name and for his glory counts in God's book. He sees it. It will never be in vain. He promised you to do that. But how many of you are a little discouraged tonight and you're asking, what, what can I do? What can little old me do? I see that. I see that. Here's your answer. Know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So keep abounding. Just keep doing what you know is right. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.